Hey, sophisticated spectators. Want to stay loud, laced, and locked in to Beyond the Bleachers? Our brand new website, beyondthebleacherspodcast.com, has links for every streaming platform where you can listen to new episodes every Monday, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at beyondthebleachers underscore. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. I have my lovely co-host, Jocelyn, with me. Say hey to the people. Hola. Hey, (laughs) y'all. We always have a very special girl. Because you always have this, like, delay, and then it's like, hola. (laughs) But anyway, as I was saying, we have a very special guest co-host with us today. You may hear us shouting her out on our Instagram lives because she loves to participate with us. And we actually met on Instagram live um, and she has become one of our loyal followers on Instagram. And so we decided to bring her on the podcast because she sometimes has a lot of the inside scoop and she's like, Jocelyn, correct me if I'm wrong, but she's kind of like an encyclopedia of sorts because yeah. I feel like anything that we don't know, we're like, do you know? And she always seems to know. She always <laughs> knows. So welcome to the show, Allie. AKA Asia's Aces on Instagram. We're so happy to have you. Woo woo. Woo Yes. <laughs> so, to get to know Allie better, we're going to play a little game of rapid fire that we like to call Girl, It's This or That. So, Allie, you just have to tell me. We're going to give you two different options. You have to tell me which one you prefer. Okay. So, first up is Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark? Caitlin Clark. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Is LSU going to go back-to-back or will we crown a new champion? Back-to-back. Back-to-back. Yes or no, will Caitlin Clark be the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft? Yes. Yes. Will the Mm. Aces complete the 3 P, or will we crown a new champion in 2024? The Aces are going back-to-back-to-back. (laughs) Woohoo! Who would you like to see have an expansion team, Toronto or Miami? Toronto. What does the WNBA need to do to expand the league? Market themselves better or create more teams? Market themselves better. Okay. And our million-dollar question, would you rather sit on the end of the bench and win a title or make $300 million in your career but never win a championship? Make $300 million but never win a title. Oh, okay. $300 million is a lot of money to pass up on. <laughs> okay. So now that we're all warmed up with Allie, let's get into Love some that. highlights. We talked last week about how we were going to focus this segment on all things University of South Carolina and University of Maryland. And so before we get into the clash of the Titans that just happened not too long ago today, we're going to rewind it a little bit and talk a little bit about what SC and Maryland have been doing 
in the first game or two of the season so far. So, Joss, you can take it away for South Carolina. Well, let's take it overseas, though, to none other than Patty. Yes, our South Carolina Gamecocks went on over to uh, Paris to play their first game, and it was amazing against Notre Dame. And honestly, that game was great, Sam. You and I both watched that game. It was great starting off. I was really nervous at one point because homegirl for Notre Dame, Hannah Hildago, she's a baller. Freshman coming straight into Notre Dame, and she's out here for blood, okay? She's not afraid. And also being on overseas, playing on a completely different stage, literally. Like, you know, it's insane that these younger players are out here just getting it done. But, you know, none other than my Gamecocks got it done in Paris. Uh, it was a 100-71 to 71 win victory for the Gamecocks. No, we're right now we're ranked number six, but it's we're coming for everybody. We're coming for everybody in the top five everyone but I have to say this before I we move on did you guys see Malaysia full Wiley all I have to say is watch out for that girl right there because she is a baller everybody's been talking about this move that she did it was a euro mixed with a fake out to her teammate a uh, fake you know she would fake the pass then went with a almost like a reverse like hook layup it was crazy and it's been all over uh who is it Magic Johnson even tweeted about it She's a star in the making. It seems like every time she steps on the court, she's going to have a, a highlight reel. She's going to be on the highlight reel for sure. So watch out for my Gamecocks because you already know we're in for blood and alphabet. <laughs> and on my side, University of Maryland played Harvard in their first regular game of the season. And the one thing that I definitely noticed about them is that they play best when there's even scoring amongst their players. Brenda Freeze, their head coach, said that this is the her favorite team that she's seen in a long time. And so she has high expectations of them. So that's what I like to see moving forward. I think that's going to be the key to their success is we need to see even participation amongst the players, which is what we saw in that Harvard game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that additionally, they're still kind of coping with a couple of big losses, you know, at you know the beginning of I guess, well, I guess last offseason, they lost uh, Angel Reese to LSU, who's now NCAA champion. And then Diamond Miller, after the season, um, her college career ended and she went to the WNBA, to the Minnesota Lynx. So they are seeing a lot of different changes going on. They have a lot of younger players coming out and showing their stuff. Their ability to dominate the Big Ten, they have shown that their ability to do that, even from the middle of the top 25. Um, So I'm not super worried about them. I'm happy to see that they got that first big win. I would love to see more people in the stands. That is my, I guess, number Mm. one criticism of University of Maryland. Um, They have so much school spirit, but I never see people in the stands. And that is a little disheartening. And so I would love to see, you know, them up the caliber a little bit when it comes to fan participation. We need to get on the same caliber as South Carolina. I mean, come on. So that's kind of my take on things. but. It's hard, but great start to the season. Not disappointed. They definitely played like a middle-of-the-pack team, but I would love to see them, you know, up the ante a little bit. I think there's hope for Maryland. I think there is. You know, 
uh, we'll get to the game that they played against my team today. But you no, know, no, I no. think that let's, let's just get into it. We're just gonna go to let's it. Let's get into it right now. Let's go to it right now, Joss. <laughs> Well, I mean, the game, let's talk about that first quarter. The first quarter was good. It was back and forth. We tied a, a couple of, a few times, honestly. Um, the, you know, your side was looking healthy. You know, they look healthy, very healthy. <laughs> we talked about a little bit. I think that, yeah, there might be a little bit more conditioning that needs to happen on the Maryland side. And I think that's going to ultimately happen over the course of the season. Again, we're we're really super early in the season. We're, we're only like two games in for, for most of the teams. So, um, you know, there's that part of it for Maryland. But as far as them moving the ball, um, they have a good ball handler. They're just sophomore. What's her name again? Number uh, point guard, 6'2". Oh, Cheyenne Sellers. Cheyenne. Yeah, so Cheyenne is is really balling for Maryland right now. She's your she's you guys' like main star. But South Carolina again, uh like we have some returners, you know, we have Cardoza uh Cardozo. So she's six seven, okay? She's a force out there, but our guards have really just been playing phenomenally, I think. And you you get a lot of those early on, you know, I guess pre-game not even pre-game but early in the game jitters and then kind of like those silly mistakes but as far as how young South Carolina is right now and like they're revamping because remember we forgot uh we don't forget that we lost Aaliyah we've lost Zaya you know we lost Bree so it's a lot of people that were were kind of you know starting brand new or, or seeing a different role that they have to play on the on the uh on the Gamecock so it's it's really nice to see them coming into themselves and learning that, okay, I'm, I have to be the leader. I have to make sure I'm playing with my team. So I was happy to see their defense today and their offense. You know, it was a little shaky at times, but that three-pointer that three pointer is looking solid for South Carolina. I think they did really good considering that, like, they're basically a new team because, as Joss said, they lost four key players, the Freshies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a blowout win. Sorry, Samantha. It's okay. <laughs> Allie's like the sweet side of like my Gemini. Like I'm like the rowdy devil on the one side, and Allie's like the sweet one. She's like, sorry, Samantha. Don't be sorry, Allie. We beat that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. I'm reeling it in. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> So on the Maryland side, I will say that we didn't see as even scoring, which was a little disappointing to me, Um, but believable because South Carolina is a tough team to beat, even though, as Allie mentioned, you guys lost the four freshies. It, you know, they still have an amazing program. They're bringing in a couple of transfers. They're bringing in three, what seems to be maybe all-star freshmen in this go around. And so mm-hmm. they really, Dawn really knows how to recruit, you know, so I'm not surprised that um, they're coming out as strong as they are, even with a whole bunch of new players. I'm also not shocked that they're ranked number six. You know, I think mm-hmm. that we've talked about it kind of on, on our live and we talked about it a little off you know, off the live that, you know, sometimes the ranking of the top 25 can be a little dicey, especially when you're talking about preseason rankings, which is what 
you know, we're currently looking at as of November 12th. Um, but I think they're also playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, I think a lot of people expected Maryland to kind of start out middle of the pack, but I don't think people expected South Carolina to start out at number six, you know, Mm -hmm. and so they're playing with a little bit more aggression, a little bit more force. And they're trying to prove that just because we lost these star players does not mean that we still don't have it in the tank. And so I'm disappointed, but not mad at it. As Josh said, there's a lot more season to go. So moving on to we decided that with this being the beginning of the NCAA season and, you know, we're transitioning out of WNBA, we kind of wanted to talk about some hot topics or things that have gone on in the last few weeks um, that have really kind of been shaking up the basketball world, both on the WNBA side and the NCAA side. So the first one being, we got news a few weeks ago that the WNBA is not going to Portland as expected. And Mm -hmm. so a little bit of backstory, because as I was doing my research on this topic, I did find some stuff interesting that I think the people might want to know. So the WNBA was established in 1997 and at the time, the WNBA was owned collectively by the NBA. So there weren't like individual owners for the individual teams. The entire league was collectively owned by the NBA. And every team was kind of like partnered up, like brother, sister with an NBA franchise. But it wasn't like the NBA franchise owned them. They were still owned by the NBA organization. And within that, you had the teams that started out in 1997. They had expansion in 1998, expansion again in 1999, and expansion again in 2000. And one of the 2000 teams that ended up becoming an expansion team was the Portland Fire. But in 2002, the NBA decided to reframe the WNBA and said, we as a league do not want to own the entirety of the WNBA anymore. So they gave individual NBA teams the option to buy their sister team. And the owner of the NBA team would also be the owner of the WNBA team, or they would have to find third party ownership. And so we've seen teams like the Indiana Fever, the Minnesota Lynx that share ownership with the NBA owner. Um, And then we saw teams like the Portland Fire, who at the time had over 8,000 people in attendance at the home games. They couldn't find an owner. And so because of that, they ended up having to fold. This was around the time where Portland Trailblazers were also not doing super great as an organization. And the Trailblazers owner did not want to take on the Portland Fire as a second organization to potentially lose more money. So at that point, they couldn't find ownership and the Portland Fire ceased to exist. We also saw teams such as the Orlando Miracle ended up moving to Connecticut because they found ownership up there and they became the Connecticut Sun. We saw the Utah Stars move to San Antonio because they found ownership out there and they became the San Antonio Silver Stars and then the San Antonio Stars. So now, knowing that history, we fast forward to 2022-ish when a man named Kirk Brown, he is the founder of a business called Zoom Info. He's also an Aces season ticket holder, decided that with his discretionary funds, he wanted to own a WNBA team. And he works, his company is right outside of Portland, and he decided that he wanted to start um, 
an organization, a WNBA organization in Portland. And things were looking super great. They were moving along very quickly. And it got to the point where they were like ready to announce like the team is coming to Portland. And literally like a couple weeks before the announcement was going to be made, all of a sudden, Kathy Engelberg made the announcement that it's not going to happen. So before we get into why it's not going to happen, I want to hear your thoughts, Allie and Joss, about... What do we think about Portland as a potential city? What were we thinking when the plans were starting to come together? And then ultimately, what were the thoughts when it kind of fell apart? And then we'll get into the reasons why it potentially fell apart. Well, you remember when we were talking about, you know, not moving on to a a bigger issue when there's still an issue at hand, like, you know, I think this is the issue here with this whole Portland expansion. I think it was doomed from the beginning, death from the start, because (laughs) I honestly don't think that it should have happened. Honestly, I felt like there were stronger, better options or bigger, better cities to start uh, an expansion for than Portland. Um, That's just my opinion. And also Kathy, First of all, knowing that the the stadium was going under uh, reconstruction, you should have known that that was going to put a damper on your plans. It's kind of common sense. And it's giving she doesn't have that. It is kind of scary considering that she's at the helm of all of this. So honestly, I didn't think that it was a good decision, in my opinion, for just so many other reasons of there's bigger fish to fry right now. And I think that the you know, focusing on expansion to Portland just wasn't at the top of my list. There shouldn't be for them either for Kathy, but you know, don't shoot the messenger. Um. Well, Kathy like has been praising Portland, saying that it's a it's an ideal destination for WNBA team. So I was surprised that the plans to expand there folded with the WNBA's history. I wasn't really surprised that the plans actually did fold. But I'm just glad that they didn't actually make the team there. And just like the Portland Fire have it for a couple years and then they just, you know, didn't work out. You're probably thinking, okay, well, what caused it to fall apart in the 11th hour? And there were a couple different theories. Um, Of course, nobody knows for sure, but there's a couple different things going around. One being that it was noted that Kirk Brown's stock in his business had dropped 55% over the last year. And we actually saw that all of a sudden, this guy who is a big fan of the WNBA. He's a season ticket holder with the Las Vegas Aces, was promising to run the new Portland organization a la Mark Davis and the Las Vegas Aces, all of a sudden potentially not having the discretionary funds to run an organization the way that it should be run. And I think it's important to note that the expansion costs run about $50 million. So that's a heavy price to then have your stock drop in your business and feel like maybe you don't have the financial ground that you thought you did. The other explanation that I found was a little bit more intriguing was that in Kathy Engelbert's statement, she said that the reason why they were pulling out of Portland was because 
um, the arena that the Portland Trailblazers own and use, the Moda Center, is actually supposed to be going under renovations. And anybody that knows anything about basketball knows that most of the renovations happen during the summer because that's when the NBA is not playing. But that directly impacts the WNBA. What the letter didn't say that I found interesting was that Kathy knew that this arena was going to be renovated before she even pursued Portland as a potential city because these renovations have been in the plans for years. But Portland Trailblazers and the Moda Center said that it was not going to be a problem because they were willing to push off the renovations for a few years. They were going to make sure that they could establish a fan base, uh, a regular following of people so that in a couple of years when they, you know, reinvigorate the, the um, reconstruction of the arena, they would move them to the arena that's like directly next door to the Moda Center. And during that time, they were going to renovate that arena so that that arena can be up to par with what, how professionals should be playing. And so I found it very interesting that she knew, uh, allegedly, going into the conversation that the Moda Center did have plans for renovations. And even after the Portland Trailblazers made adjustments to the timing of the renovations in order to fit the expansion of the WNBA into Portland, all of a sudden she was acting as if that was the sole reason why it didn't happen. Um, and so that kind of left a lot of people, I feel like, you know, kind of feeling like, is this the real reason? Like, we're not getting the full story. We never get the full story. We already know that. Like, when do they ever tell us yeah, the truth right. or the full do. story of anything? Yeah, we never get that. And I don't think we will until there's an actual success of an expansion. You know, like, I don't think we're going to get that until maybe later on, maybe next year when the season starts over and we're like oh talking about a little bit more maybe it'll come back up but yeah we're never gonna know the real reason but not good for Kathy to know that you know the the gym was going on a renovation and still think that there was a possibility it's kind of like common sense you know but maybe she doesn't have it and I kind of also felt like you know, the Portland Trailblazers organization, because they're the ones that own the Moda Center, they went through all of these like adjusting of the schedule and, you know, remaking their plans because they really that was their way of expressing like extreme interest. Like we're willing to push off our renovations for two to three seasons because we want a team here, because we want to be able to grow the fan base in the home arena so that when we do move you for a season or two, not only will it not be as much of a disruption because we've done our due diligence in renovating this other arena and making it up to par, but we know that the fan base is also going to be invested because we've taken two to three seasons to bring them in and make them feel like this is where we want to be. I think Kathy does this all the time. Like she builds people's hopes up, but then like these times just, Mm, that that's a good point it's a great observation so that story will continue to unfold i'm sure as time goes on we already know that there is going to be a team in the san francisco bay area and so we know that kathy is looking for another city to put a team in so that we can have two new teams and keep the you know the 
teams at an even number. So I'm sure this story will continue to unfold. And who knows, Joss, maybe we'll actually start to hear some of what actually went down behind the scenes. Um, But only time will tell. But moving on to our next hot topic, we've had some other changes within the WNBA, some coaching changes, um, specifically with the Phoenix Mercury and the Chicago Sky. Um, So Mm -hmm. I will start with Chicago because I think that one is the one that's a little bit lighter, the one that I think more people are excited about. We have (laughs) Teresa Witherspoon, a.k.a. Teaspoon, WNBA veteran, legend that has signed on to be the new head coach of the Chicago Sky. We have previously talked about their coaching slash GM issues when James Wade decided that he was going to abruptly leave in the middle of the season. Uh. And then they had the interim coach who at the end of the season decided that he not only didn't want the coaching position, but also didn't want the GM position. And so it just created this whole dynamic of what's going on in Chicago. But they have now hired Teaspoon as their new head coach. For those of y'all that don't know, Teaspoon was a graduate of Louisiana Tech in 1988, where she also won an NCAA championship. She played overseas for many years after graduation until the formation of the WNBA in 1997. She played in the W from 97 to 2004 and has been coaching at many levels since 2007, most recently as an assistant coach with the New Orleans Pelicans of the NBA. How are we feeling about Teaspoon finally making her return back to the W? I am excited. (laughs) Like, how could you not? This is a Hall of Famer we're talking about. Teaspoon we're talking about here. Are you, like, everybody should be super excited for this like are you not entertained i mean come on this is a five-time all-star a two-time WNBA defensive player of the year i mean she's swaggy too (laughs) part of that you know i mean she's got a lot that she's inheriting you know the chicago sky is coming off their season of only 18 wins and 22 losses. You know, they made it to the playoffs. You know, they got eliminated in the first round, but at least they made it to the playoffs with all the adversity. I'm still mad at James Wade. Like, I kind of want to say hands on site, but, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, I really think that Witherspoon being, you know, a former point guard, she loves the game. She said, uh, she was quoted that, you know, she said, I love challenges, period. I'm all about a challenge. And I love that she's ready to accept this huge challenge in Chicago. And I think I'm really excited to see what kind of culture she's looking to cultivate there. Because she did say she's trying to change the culture there and get everybody on one accord. And she also said, it's more than basketball. So when you have a coach like that, hopefully she's bringing in a different kind of energy and a different kind of commitment to the Chicago Sky players because I know that they're ready and like just fiending for that. I think it's it's going to be scary for the rest of the league because <laughs> she has many years of coaching experience. But as both of you said, she she's a legend in the WNBA. So she's going to get the players on a player point of view. So that makes it even better for for Chicago. 
I think we might see something a la Becky Hammond and the Las Vegas Aces. We might actually, you know, they played each other in the first round this year. You know, we might see a complete turnaround and they might give the Aces a little run for their money. I know we're kind of pulling for this three-peat to happen. (laughs) Allie mentioned it in her this or that, but... Chicago Sky might give the Aces a run for their money if we have a player like Teaspoon who's now transitioned to a coach. And she's even though she hasn't coached in the W up until this point, Mm -hmm. she has been involved in the W, most particularly with the New York Liberty, Mm -hmm. the team that she played the majority of her Her seasons with. And so I I think for the last few years with all of the different coaching changes that we've seen, especially with the New York Liberty, people kept saying, what about Teaspoon? What about Teaspoon? Like she's always here. She's always courtside. She's clearly present and involved. What about Teaspoon? And I'm so happy that she's finally getting the opportunity that she's looking for, you know, because she didn't have to leave the NBA, but I'm glad that you know, she has found an opportunity that is going to work for her in this organization. And I cannot wait to see them transform because they've got some players out there that can really do some damage with the right coaching. That's it, Sam. You said it best. Moving on to a head coaching position that has stirred up a little bit more controversy. We're going to talk about the Phoenix Mercury. They have signed on former assistant coach with the Orlando Magic, Nate Tibbetts. And mm, the word (laughs) underqualified has been thrown around a lot. Um, I will say that I tried to look him up and he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, which is (laughs) for me always the first sign that something is not right the water is not clean because you know that wikipedia is like our cheat sheet you know what i mean like if you want a quick down and dirty you just go straight to wikipedia and the fact that he didn't have one i was like okay who's this guy i know <laughs> so i had to do a little bit of i had to do a little bit of digging to try and figure out who this guy is but i think what disturbed people the most were his remarks after he officially accepted the position. And I'm going to quote him when he said, quote, I know I'm going to need to rely on our team to learn how this league works. That's why I'm here. So Allie, being that you are a big fan of the W, please tell us your thoughts when you heard him make those statements. (laughs) I feel like as a new coach who is quote unquote underqualified, you shouldn't be saying that because you're not gaining any trust from your new players. And I think that is very true when you're talking about a Phoenix Mercury organization that has, you know, struggled to see success this past season, struggled to see success the season before, um, has had some chemistry issues, has had various coaching changes over the last couple seasons. It's very disheartening to hear that someone from the outside is coming in and openly acknowledging that he does not know the inner workings of the W. Joss, what are your thoughts? Well, you know what I felt like. Why is he here? First of all, you don't have a wiki. 
can't even cheat find out about who you are like you said sam like this is ridiculous i'm sorry and no like you said so eloquently ali how are you going to go on a live television talking to these different sports channels that you're gonna rely on your staff your people if you don't if you out of there right now you should have said to yourself and to everybody i am not qualified for this this is crazy that i am up here it's probably simply because of the fact that i'm a man and that's it and then leave like you know i would have respected that way more than the crap he gave i'm just saying i don't see a bright future for the feet for for the mercury because if you're if you're going to be under that kind of leadership, you might as well just let Diana Taurasi take over the whole daggone team and be the daggone coach as well. <laughs> because that's basically what Diana. it is. Just get just get DT to do it. Shoot. At this point, <laughs> they don't care over there. Well, the GM, general manager, addressed the criticism of hiring Nate Tibbetts in a press conference. And I pulled out... Um, some quotes, but I first want to say one of the biggest criticisms was that after the firing of Vanessa Nygaard, the interim coach was Nikki right. Blue, who is a black woman. Mm-hmm. She, we don't know if she was offered the position. There was no announcement that she didn't want the position. So we can only assume that she was not offered exactly. the position. And so with that, um, he was, he wanted to comment on the fact that he, he hired, you know, what people were saying was an unqualified white man in a league of mostly black and brown women. And so some of the things that he said were, quote, diversity and opportunity are critical. Process, candidate pool and finalists all reflected that. And building a basketball operations staff and coaching staff that reflects diversity, unquote is important. But with that, I could only think "Mm, your process candidate pool and finalists all reflected diversity, but look who you hired. (laughs) It's kind of giving Rooney rule that didn't really work. And then when you're talking about wanting to build a operations staff and a coaching staff that reflect diversity, well, the operations staff and the coaching staff are mostly behind the scenes. They're not often seen in front of the camera. The people that you see in front of the camera, majority of the time, are the head coach, who is now an unqualified white man, allegedly, and Diana, who is a white woman. So when we're talking about representation, from my perspective, we should not only be thinking about the totality of the positions that are being filled, but also who's on the front of the cover, who's on the cameras, who's being seen and talked about on TV, where are all of the pictures focused? You know, that's what I think about when I'm thinking about the face of my team. When I think about diversity, I want to make sure that diversity is represented not only behind the scenes in your staff, but also in front of the camera, in pictures, on ESPN, on CBS Sports. Who is the commentators talking about? And if they're only talking about people that look a certain way, then it doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes because nobody knows that. I agree with what you said. He's he's just unqualified, and I don't think Phoenix needs him. I think that they should they should have um offered Nikki Blue 
um a contract to be their head coach. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I mean, like you both said, he's unqualified. It's clear, and, and like you said to Sam, it's it's really giving Rooney rule. It's also giving like hypocritical. Like you guys are just lying. Not even hypocr- hypocrisy. It's just lying at this point. You know, like there's there's nothing that points to him. How did you guys even come across this guy to be in this space where he clearly doesn't feel comfortable because he's actually said it, even if he doesn't even know that he said it in that way. Like he probably thought it came out completely different than what it did. He, he looked like a fool up there. He looked underqualified. He doesn't seem like a credible coach to be coaching this team right now, who I think desperately needs great direction or at least somebody from the inside that at least knows the women a little bit more a little bit better so nikki blue should have been one of those candidates i hope she was maybe she didn't want it it just but like you said sam it just seems like she probably wasn't even offered the role which is extremely odd to me because i think she honestly did a good job considering yeah so very unfortunate um, I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how long this man is going to last. Nope. Um, the WNBA, for as loving and welcoming as it is, it is very cutthroat. <laughs> and you either perform or you got to go. Diana's only got one year left on her contract and we can only assume that she's going to retire. There have been rumors swirling that Brittany Griner um, might not stay in Phoenix much longer, especially once Diana retires. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's been a lot of shifting of people and players and all types of things going on in Phoenix. And so they don't have any stability right now. And so I don't know that this is an organization that you want to claim that you're learning from, because I think they're doing a lot of learning as well, considering that they also have new um, people in the background. Anyway. We're going to switch it on back to NCAA a little bit before we close out this episode. And I wanted to talk about a recent controversy that I guess is not so recent, but it kind of came up again. Um, We all saw the LSU-Iowa NCAA championship game last, well, I guess earlier this year, last season. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was consistently a lot of controversy with the callings that the referees, I guess, were or were not doing. So much so that the NCAA had to do something about it. Now, typically, um, it takes a while for reviews like this to happen. And the NCAA had planned to review the tournament officiating after this season. So that would be April 2024. They were going to wrap up this season and then take the time to go through and really investigate the situation. But the process was sped up because there was so much criticism in the refereeing of that particular game. So much so that people, I think, felt like the tide could have shifted at any moment and those calls ultimately could have affected the outcome of the game. And so in doing their investigation, um, they like to have um, the referee percentage be around 91-ish percent. That's typically where they like to see the amount of correct calls being made, right around 91, 90%. And in this game, they found it to be 88%. 
One of the mistakes was a foul called on Angel Reese at the end of the first quarter. That was her second of the game that shouldn't have been called. They talked about two offensive fouls, one by each team that were not called. Um, So different calls like that. I mean, a call in the first quarter can still have an impact in the fourth quarter of the game. Yeah, and I feel like it needs to be, so follow me here. It needs to be a conference of refs with like like just the rules, right? And people who are enforcing these rules, the league that is enforcing these officiating rules and kind of going, okay, we're noticing after like a season that these certain calls are, you know, they don't make sense or uh, we might need to change this to for it to look like this. So it's, it just makes it an easier flow of the game. It protects the kids, you know, it protects the players, but also it protects the flow of the game. So there's no issues and like with delays or anything like that. I just think it needs to be a, a review of the rules of the officiating rules and seeing like what can change. Because honestly, at the end of the day, like we remember when you and I, we looked up, like the different rules for officiating on the W level, um, but not for the NCAA. For college ball, it seems like they let the players play a little bit more, um, especially from what I saw in officiating today. There weren't bad calls, and at least I know sometimes when there is a missed call on one end, they try to kind of get it back, kind of like a ticky-tack foul, kind of like a foul that you could just like you should have just let go, but then they'll call that to try to make it even. But you can't continuously do that throughout the games so I don't know if it's like needs to be like a sub in for a ref that's just not calling right but it also needs to be like a non-biased person like officiating the refs almost you know like kind of like auditing the refs so it's kind of hard to figure out how to change this or make it better I agree with Jaws like in today's game the refs calls are so inconsistent that they should like meet up all together to have a conference and just talk over um, all of these calls to make it a fair game to both parties, both teams. You know, like in the NFL, they have like the head coach and he has like the headset on and he's like playing the calls, but they're usually getting calls like they're getting a view from the the skybox above. Mm -hmm. And so they'll usually have people up in the box that can see things from above and are telling the head coach like this is what we see up Mm -hmm. here. These are things that you need to be taking into account. And so that's what what I thought of, like maybe not permanently, but there needs to be some sort of audit yeah. of like how things flow like I, that's what I think of I think of like audit a por- performance um. review <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good too if like the coaches were to get involved as well right because you're coaching around what what the officials are calling you know so that I think that also affects what plays that a certain coach might run because they might understand the flow of like how the officials are officiating the game so they might throw in another play just because they see how they're calling it. You know what I mean? So maybe even having a conference and a talk with both the officials and these coaches and the coaching staff to understand a little bit better, like, you know, what it is that you you got, you know, the refs are absolutely not okay with, you know, where we can have a little leeway, you know, and, and I think them working together can help protect these players and also have a game that everybody's kind of happy with as far as the officials in their in their calls i feel like it'll add biasness mm. to the game because obviously the coaches would want to stick up for their players so i feel like it wouldn't be fair that's that's a, that's fair to say also but you know 
I feel like a lot of coaches always cape for their bigs. It's always the post players are getting hacked down low. And that always seems to be one of the issues that coaches have. So I think it's just got to be kind of like a generic thing. Like my, my bigs are always getting hacked down low or you're never really calling that or you're not calling when this girl, you know, like when people do uh, when like certain positions are called on certain things, you know, like or just the generic rules of like the offensive foul and all of that. They added the challenge, you know, to, you know, to, to game. So like, I feel like there's ways to add to, to perfect or to just make better than what's going on now. Well, one person that had a lot to say about the review of this championship game was head coach from the University of South Carolina, Dawn Staley. And she came under fire, which I feel like is not unusual these days because (laughs) she and her team are always under fire. What else is new? But she had some things to say. Let's start off with the fact that all of these refs that officiated that championship game were black and brown women. And she felt like maybe they had been thrown under the bus a little Mm -hmm. bit. And she went on to post on Twitter or X saying that, quote, so the independent review was done under anonymity, but it is known who the officials were, all black and brown skinned women. Now that they're thrown under the bus, let's not run them over. And so I can only believe she kind of felt like you never rushed to do this review before. That part. But now all of a sudden, because it's black and brown women, now you want to go and basically say, oh, well, it's horrible. And now we have to rethink everything. But we've all known that the officiating all around in the NCAA and in college, I mean, and in WNBA has been atrocious Mm -hmm. in recent years you know and one of her statements was that she was fearful that it will stop these women from progressing because now everybody knows who they are the three black women that officiated at the ncaa championship game and even if you don't know their names you can easily look look online and find their names find who they are Mm -hmm. and so is now this going to be an hindrance to them potentially getting future gigs or even being able to be promoted maybe they had goals of you know moving into the w or maybe moving into the nba like how does you know do these accusations now shift the trajectory of where they may end up or how they may be perceived in the grand scheme of things ali what do you think i kind of agree with don staley like i don't think lsu beat iowa by 17 or how many points it is just because of the refs. Maybe the game could have been closer, but I don't think that the outcome would have been different, in, in my opinion. I agree. <laughs> I agree with you, Allie. Asia's ace is always coming through. But no, uh, honestly, I don't think it would have changed the outcome. Like, as Allie said, LSU was going to win the game. They were supposed to win that game. And yeah, it's it's so funny that now all of a sudden, because we could name thousands of games where we could have wished and prayed that the call was a little different closer to the end. You know, there's so many. But now all of a sudden, y'all want to review this one game? Get over yourselves. We're already into the new season. You know, it's like it's over. That's done. So, yeah, I just I, I have a lot. To, I, I love Dawn, first of all. And I think that all that she said, there has to be something to that because she's always on the other side of what we what we don't see, you know, like what we don't know. 
And I think that her saying that speaks volumes. Like you said, Sam, this cancel culture is, you know, it messes with your livelihood and it could very well mess with theirs. Closing out the episode, we want to talk about our breakout stars. So once again, our breakout stars can be a particular team, a particular play, a particular player, coach, anything NCAA related that is outside of the University of Maryland and the University of South Carolina that we feel is noteworthy and we can give a little bit of a shout out to. Okay. Well, listen, we already talked about Malaysia Full Wiley because everybody was talking about her. The Gamecocks as a team, their new team. I love that they played in Paris. I don't think we're making that a big deal. Them and, and also congratulations to Notre Dame to be chosen. Dawn Staley was absolutely, you know, intentional about picking, you know, another woman, black woman at that head coach. Uh, it was the first time it's ever been done. My breakout star is Juju Watkins from USC. Um, I mean, like, how can you not choose her? She scored 32 points in her college debut. So, yeah, I hope she can do big things for USC, even though I'm a South Carolina fan, a diehard South Carolina fan. Just got to shout her out. I'm going to talk about Jalen Sherrod from Colorado. They took down the number one seed. I think it was an exciting game. Colorado came out and they meant business. She bought out. The team was going crazy. I can't wait to see what the AP poll looks like next week because there's a, a stir in the top 25 mm-hmm. now. And so it must feel really good beating the number one seed in the country. Absolutely. Come on. Well, as we close out this episode, I just want to give a major thank you to Allison for joining us and sharing her little two cents. I know she's super shy and she doesn't always like to, you know, express her opinions in public, but I'm super proud of her for coming on the podcast and just giving us that extra little bit of insight. Allie, can you give a plug to your um, IG page so that you can get a little bit more followers? Mm -hmm. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me today. Oh, yes, as you said, I'm kind of shy. So, but uh, yeah, my page is Asia's Aces. Um, A-J-A-S period A-C-E-S. Asia's Aces. So go over there if you want to know all things Asia Wilson, all things Las Vegas Aces. Allie does a great job. And she also knows a lot about NCAA and WNBA. So don't be fooled in thinking that she only knows about the Las Vegas Aces because our girl knows. And she tells us things. She, like I said, she's our encyclopedia. <laughs> she tells us things that we don't even be rem- we don't even or remember. Or she would know with that. She, she's been learning me. <laughs> Educating me. <laughs> we love you, Allie. So as we wrap up another episode, Joss, tell the people where they can find us. You know, you can find us at Beyond the Bleachers underscore on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Make sure you like, follow, comment, and join us when we go live. You can also find the links to all of our social media pages and streaming platforms at BeyondTheBleachersPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. Until next time, stay loud, stay laced, and and stay stay locked locked in. in. Bye, Bye, y'all.